Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Ecclesiastes chapter number 5. 2017 is almost over. Can you believe it? How many of you remember Y2K? I mean, the world was going to end, right? The computers were going to shut down. And uh, we all went to bed wondering what was going to happen. Woke up and nothing happened. 18 years later, nothing happened. 2018 is around the corner. How many of you make uh, New Year's resolutions or how many of you? 8%, they say, 8% of the New Year's resolutions that people make actually follow through with. 8%. Can you imagine that? 8%. Solomon talks about making vows and the vanity of vows uh, here in Ecclesiastes chapter 5. He says this, if you follow along with me, verse number 1. Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God, and be more ready to hear than to give sacrifice of fools, for they consider not that they do evil. Be not rash with thy, my, thy mouth, and let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven, and thou upon earth. Therefore let thy words be few. For a dream cometh through the multitude of business, and a fool's voice is known by a multitude of words. When thou vowest to vow unto God, defer not to pay it, for he hath no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. Better it is that thou shouldest not vow, that thou shouldest vow and pay not. Suffer not thy mouth to cause thy flesh to sin. Neither say thou before the angel that it was an error. Wherefore, should God be angry at thy voice and destroy the work of thine hands? For in the multitude of dreams and many words there are also diverse vanities. But fear, fear thou God. Solomon is the king of Israel. He's the wisest man, the Bible tells us, in the, in, in the Bible, in the world. We find Solomon at a young age. He is given the kingdom. His father David was the king of Israel. And before David died, he made Solomon, the, the son of Bathsheba, to become the king. Solomon was a young man. He was a humble man. He was an inexperienced man. What you read of Solomon in his later life is not the same Solomon that you would find in his early life. Solomon was a man that uh, when he was made to become king, he was given a, a desire from God. God said, whatever you desire, whatever you want, I'll grant you that. I want to bless you. It wasn't that God was this magic genie that was going to give Solomon what he wanted. God wanted to bless Solomon, just like God desires to bless you as well. And he said to Solomon, what is it that thou desires? What do you need in order to be the king that I, I need you to be? And Solomon, as he thought through that, he asked for something that pleased God, and he said, I need wisdom. And wisdom is the mind of God. What he was saying is this, God, when I make the decision... I'm going to make decisions for your people, and I'm going to make decisions for your kingdom. And I, I don't know these answers on my own. I need your mind on these things. And he sought wisdom, and God granted him wisdom. And he says, because you asked for wisdom, because you asked for my mind on these needs that you're going to need, then I'm also going to add riches and add fame. And uh, uh, 
Solomon became wealthy in his wealth and his fame, his power, his riches, his kingdom became world-renowned. They would bring cases to Solomon, and Solomon would use this wisdom to resolve issues, and people would walk away and just amazed by his wisdom. The Queen of Sheba would come and visit Solomon, we read, and she would say, what I heard about your kingdom only describes half of what it actually is. She was, she was saying how great of a blessing that God had upon Solomon and his kingdom. Everything that Solomon's mind could imagine or his flesh would desire, Solomon had it. He tried it. He writes this, that vanity of vanity, all is vanity. He writes this in this book of Ecclesiastes. And Solomon writes in chapter 5 about making vows. And we find that at this time of year, many people are making vows. Many people, and I, I do, I, I like to reorganize things. And, and if there's something in my life, it just seems like this is a good time of year to, to change things or redo things and maybe something that's not working. And I don't know why, but it just seems like the new year is a great time to just do things a little bit better, to reevaluate. And Solomon speaks of vowing vows. And I want us to look, if you would please, we're going to just dig into several verses here in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, and I hope and I pray that it will be a help to you. He says this in verse number one, keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God and be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools for they consider not that they do evil. I'm just gonna give you several thoughts here this morning, several points, and if you'll write this down, point number one, I want you to write this down. Stay grounded in the right places this upcoming year. Stay grounded in the right places. He says this in verse number one, keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God. How many of you would agree this? The house of God is a place where God's people ought to enjoy going. Would you say amen to that? It's a place where we get spiritual help. It's a place where we find fellowship with other believers. It's a place where we find conviction. You know, whatever it is that we need when we come to the house of God, God uses it through the preaching of his word. The house of God ought to be a place that when you come to the house of God, it encourages you. There's some here this morning that are going through battles and going through trials and carrying heavy burdens. And the house of God ought to be a place that when you come, you find help and you find encouragement. You find encouragement from the word of God, from the spirit of God, from the people of God. The house of God is also a place that when someone comes and they're living in sin and they're involved in things in their life, they're displeasing the Lord, it ought to be a place where you've come and you find conviction as well. The house of God ought to be a place that encourages believers to continue serving in difficult times. And it ought to be a place that also encourages believers to stay faithful and not live in sin and, and make good decisions in their life. But I believe this, that we see here that we need to, see, to stay grounded in the right places. Start fresh. Maybe this year determine that you're going to be in the house of God more often. Maybe you're going to determine this year, you evaluate your, your attendance this past year, and you say, you know what, I need to make the house of God a priority in my life. Maybe some you've slacked in 
You've slipped back. Maybe, maybe you're not as faithful to the house of God as you used to be here. He says, keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God. Establish your foot upon something that is right. You know, there are a lot of things that are vying for your attention. There's a lot of things in this world that want your attention. There's a lot of things that Satan wants to entice you with. I believe this, as we look into this new year, as we look into 2018, that we ought to be determined that we are going to stay faithful to the things that are right. The Word of God, the house of God. You know, when Satan sets out to steal your joy, he usually does it in two places when you're a Christian. He does it in two places. Normally he does it in your church. He does it in your home. When Satan seeks to steal your joy, he normally does it in two places for a Christian, your home and your church. You come and you're not satisfied, or you come and you're discouraged, or you come and you just don't find what you're looking for at home or in the church, and Satan seeks to take your joy in those two places. In Christian, I believe this, we need to be on guard this upcoming year. I don't believe there's a person in here that's probably thinking in their mind, I want to quit serving God today, or I want to quit on my family today, but I want you to know this, there is an enemy, and he, the Bible says, is as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He is after you this year. I want to assure you this. You say, boy, you sound pretty, pretty discouraging with that. I just want to be real with you today. Satan is going to try harder this upcoming year more than he's ever tried before to discourage you. He's after you. The Bible says he's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Satan is not just simply looking to play around with your life. He's not looking just to, to, to mess with you a little bit. He's looking to devour you. We've, um, you probably know we got a puppy in our house. You might have heard. The Kudros met that puppy. They said, it's not as bad as I said. It is as bad as I said. They're just nice people. We have bought that puppy toy after toy after toy. We've got him at the dollar store. We've got him at Costco. We've got him at the most expensive. We've tried the dollar toys and we've tried the most expensive toys. And it doesn't matter, when that puppy gets a toy in his hand, by the t within the hour of having that toy, the nose is off, the ears are off, the tails are off, and everything inside that thing is all over the place. He hears that little squeaker, and he goes after that little squeaker. I mean, this cute little innocent puppy, we just say to ourselves, we're not buying another toy until it got Michelle's shoes. And then she said, we're buying it more toys. But that thing just devours everything. I mean, if it can get it in its mouth, it tears it up. And it's not happy until everything is torn up. You know, as I think about that, that's exactly how Satan is, and that's exactly what Satan wants to do with your life this year. He wants to tear your life up. He wants to rip it open, and anything inside of it, he wants to just rip out so that you're useless. That's his desire. That's his goal. And we need to be sure as we realize that, that we keep ourselves grounded in the right places so that Satan can't come in and rip our life apart. He's going to seek to do it this year. You mark it down. He's going to seek to steal your joy in your church. He's going to seek to steal your joy in your home. 
We need to stay grounded, keep our feet grounded upon the right things. Listen, we need to set examples for the generation that's coming up behind us what service to the Lord ought to be in the place of the Lord uh, and, 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 and going to the place of God as we need to go. I want you to see also in verse number one, he not only says, keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God, he says also this, and be more ready to hear. You know, we need to come ready to hear from God, don't we? We need to come to the house of God ready to hear from God. I hope this morning as you came to the house of God that you said, Lord, I want you to speak to me today. I don't want to come just because it's my duty to come. I don't want to just come because that's what we do on Sundays is we come to church. I want to come ready to hear. I want to come ready to be changed no matter what the preacher preaches. If it's preaching on sin, then Lord, I want to allow that to penetrate my heart. If there's something in my life that needs to change, then Lord, change me. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if every single one of us determined that we were going to come to the house of God to be changed by the word of God and every single one of us left today changed by the word of God being what God desired for us to be we ought to come with that spirit oh I pray this upcoming year as we look into the new year I pray as we come to the house of God that we come saying God change me I think we ought to not only come ready to hear ready to be changed but ready to worship I believe this, the day of the Lord's return is closer than it ever has been. I see things happening around this world, and then I read my Bible, and you know what I think? Jesus is coming soon. And I know I want to be found faithful. I hope that when he comes, he finds me worshiping him. I'd like, to, I'd like for him to come. There's certain times that I think it'd be neat for Jesus to, 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 to call us children home. And that would be one when we're all together as a church family singing and worshiping him. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing that all of a sudden we're worshiping the Lord together and then we're all gone? I mean, the whole place is empty. We were once, we were worshiping him with our mouth and worshiping him with our voice. In the next second, we're in heaven worshiping our Savior. Oh, listen to me, I believe this. We ought to come to the house of God ready to hear and allow that hearing to change us, allow that hearing to cause us to worship and allow that uh, hearing to cause us to praise him. How many of you, you find it easy to be complaining and critical? Anybody like that? How many of you praise the Lord for the cold this morning? How many of you said, it's cold this morning? How many of you aren't listening to me right now? You're too cold, you're frozen, you said, I can't move. Listen, the reality is this. We always find something to complain about. We always find something that we don't like. This, this past... Christmas morning, we, you know, we put these presents under the tree at night and leave, and I think to myself, man, my kids, they are so blessed. I remember when I was a kid, we, we just didn't have, my parents just didn't have any money. And uh, I see pictures from when I was a kid and pictures when we were, my kids were kids, and I think to myself, man, they have a lot. They're blessed. A couple years back, several years back, Kaylee was really young, and we opened all the presents, and 
she had this look on her face, and I said, what's wrong, babe? She says, is that all? As I'm, I couldn't even see her face almost because she was surrounded by all her presence. I remind her of that every year. She's not, she's not happy that she did that. She's embarrassed, but I bring it out every year. This year, I, same thing happened. Chloe got all of her presents and all of her gifts, and she had everything she wanted on her list. And I looked at her, and she was crying. I mean, here's a girl that has everything that was on her list, and she's crying. And I said, Chloe, what's wrong with you? And she was looking over, and she saw a gift that Lily got, and she wanted it. I said, Chloe, you ought to be thankful for what you do have. I am, but she got a car seat, baby car seat. That's what little girls do, I guess, little kids do. But what's sad is when adults do it. You know, the reality is this, we are blessed. We have so much. God has been so good to us. If we're not careful, we can look at all the things that we don't have or we look at all the issues in our life, but instead of looking at the negative, you know what this year I think we ought to say? God, I'm going to hear from you, and that hearing from you is going to produce a praise in my life. Be thankful that you're here in church this morning. Be thankful that you have life this morning. Be thankful that God loved you so much that he sent his only begotten son so that you and I could have everlasting life. Be thankful for the blessings in your life. Be thankful. This year in 2018, I believe this, we ought to be come to the house of God ready to praise. We ought to come to the house of God ready to sing. We ought to come to the house of God ready to serve. Why? Because God is worthy. We need to see him for that this year. You know, I often pray as I preach, that God would allow me to be an encouragement and a help to our people. I saw a video of a, I think you can find it on YouTube if you type in world's worst preacher or something like that. Somebody sent it to me. I wasn't quite sure what they were trying to tell me when they sent it to me. <laughs> but they sent me this video. I was so glad it wasn't of me. <laughs> they sent me this video of this preacher. And I, right in the middle of his preaching, he just, I mean, he just got mean. He walked down and he said to some guy, you want me to marry you? And you aren't even faithful to church. Why would I marry? And he looked at the girl next to him. He said, why would you marry to a fella, marry a fella like that that's not faithful to church? I mean, by the time it was done, he was picking on the people in the sound booth, just like that preacher this morning. <laughs> I mean, it was just, he was all over. He was just beating everybody up. And you were looking at this, and you think, man, those people, and somebody in the middle of it amen to him. I thought, what is wrong with that guy, you know? <laughs> amen this guy. He's crazy. You know, we don't come to the house of God to get abused, and we don't come to the house of God to... We come to the house of God, yes, to be convicted, and yes, to be encouraged. The house of God is a place that we come, so we want to hear from God. You know what the reality is? There's nothing I can say that can help you. 
But if I would allow God to use me and allow the word of God to use me to be a voice for him, then his word is what helps us. You know, I find here in verse number one as well, it goes on to say uh, not only to, to set our foot uh, to feet in the right places, be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools for they consider not that they do evil. You know, this year I pray, this upcoming year, that we don't try to fit God into what we do, but we make him the center of all we do. This year, don't, don't try to fit God. Don't say, God, this is what I want to do, and, 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 and as long as this happens, you know, I could, I could fit you in it. No, what we ought to say is, God, my slate is empty. My slate is blank this year. You fill it up. I want my life to center around what you have for me this upcoming year. We ought to make God the center of our life and then everything else revolves around that instead of God just fitting in a piece of our life. And, and if I have time for you, God, if I have enough, can give you enough attention, no, God ought to be the one that we serve. Everything we do ought to revolve around the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, he says here, for the consider not to do evil. You know, don't sin all week and then think a little church on Sunday is going to make God happy with us. We, um, we had the Kudros over for Christmas dinner, and him and my father-in-law just hit it off, I think because both the names are Tom. Both of them grew up in the same religion growing up. And um, I didn't know how wicked these two guys were until I listened to them and Man, you could sin all week long and go to the guy and ask him for, to forgive you, and he could forgive you, and then you can go back and sin all week long again. You know, we see something like that, and we think, boy, that, that is just awful. You know, if we're not careful, Christian, we do the same thing. We live our life. We do whatever we want to do. We sin a little. We, 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 we let the, our flesh control us, and, and we let our addictions control us. And, and, and because we don't think it's really that bad or what we used to do, listen to me, we, we need to live a life, not that we're filled with sin all week and we, we come to church and pay our time at church and we think God's going to be happy with us. You know, we're, we're acting like fools, and God sees that as, as us doing evil. Listen, we need to live a life pure and holy, and we need to live a life pleasing pleasing the Lord every day of the week. Not come to church thinking because I paid my time that everything's going to be okay. No, we, we need to live a life not that's filled with sin all week, but filled with living with the Lord and dwelling in his presence. I'm afraid many Christians come to the house of God and dwell in a backslidden state and stay there. I pray this upcoming year as we look at 2018, as we make vows, as we try to make changes in our life, I hope and I pray that one of the things that we evaluate in our life is that we're not going to live in a backslidden state. We're not going to continue with sin. We're not going to continue to live the life we want to live and then think that God's going to be okay with it because, you know, we, we, we come to church. Listen, that doesn't make God pleased with our lives. God wants all of us. Just read the story of the little boy, the offering plate was passing by. And when the usher came to him, he said, can you put a little bit lower? The usher said, okay. And he said, a little bit lower. He said, okay. 
He said, actually, can you just put it on the ground? And the usher thought, what is wrong with this kid? Usher put the offering plate on the ground, and the kid stepped in it. He says, I don't want to just give some to God. I want to give everything to God. That's what God desires from us. How much of you are you holding back? How much of you, if God said, I want that portion of you, you'd say, no, God, no, not that. Don't fit God in what you do. Make God the center of all you do. You know, we need to remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Solomon is warning the child of God here in chapter 5. Be careful, evaluate your walk. Be careful, evaluate your talk. Be careful, evaluate your, your life. Be careful what you love. Evaluate your priorities. Evaluate your worship. Evaluate the, your desires. And if there's something that isn't pleasing the Lord, then stop that. And get back to serving God. Some need to remember how sweet it is to be right with God. Pretending or living a double life is living a life of evil. God wants all of you. He wants to be the center of what you do, the center of your life. I want you to see with me in verse number two as we look at this verse. Be not rash with thy mouth. I know some of you are giving your spouse the ebel right now. Be not rash with your mouth. Let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven and thou upon earth. Therefore, let thy words be few. He says, remember that God's in heaven. Remember you're the one on earth. Remember who the creator is. Remember who the created is. You know, write this down, number two. Don't think high of yourself. Sometimes we need to talk less and listen more. Don't think too highly of ourselves. You know, don't think that the world ought to revolve around us. And don't think that everything that you want in life, that God ought to just give you whatever you want. If God's a good God, then he's going to make my life what I want it to be. Listen to me. God is a good God whether your life is what you want it to be or not. God is a loving God whether you think you have what you need in your life or not. We're never to put ourselves above God. Listen, God knows what is best for us. So oftentimes in my life, I'll think that I know what the right answer is, or I think that I know what's best for me or what's best for my family. You know what I always find out? That sometimes, sometimes, matter of fact, many a times I'm wrong, but never have I ever come to the place where I realized that God was wrong. Sometimes God is doing things that we don't understand. Sometimes God allows things in our life that we might not like. Sometimes we go through sorrows, and sometimes we go through trials that we just don't understand. But we must know this and realize this, that God knows what's best, and that God understands, and we must trust him. Don't ever put ourselves above God. You know what Solomon's saying there? Don't. Don't ever think that you know more than God knows. Don't think yourself too high. 
someone said to me many, many years ago. They said this, you know, sometimes you, it would be good for you to listen and not always give your opinion. This wasn't Michelle telling me this. This was someone else. You know, when they first said that to me, I didn't like it. I thought, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you what I think. And I thought, oh no, you're right. I think that's not just an issue that maybe a few of us have. That's probably human nature. Many a times we react or we, we wanna insert our opinion. Have you ever given your opinion on something before you had all the facts? Anybody? Only to find you probably should have got all the facts. It's human nature. What Solomon is saying here, don't think yourself too high of God. Don't make emotional decisions. Don't think that you have all the facts. You know who has all the facts? God has all the facts. You know who has all the information? God has all the information. You know who knows best? God knows what's best. You know who can see the end of time? God can see the end of time. I only know what this moment brings. God knows what the future brings. And I can trust the one that knows the future. Solomon's telling us, allow God to speak. And when he does, listen. I think the most dangerous thing for a Christian is to be too busy when God desires to speak. To be too busy when God wants to say something. To be speaking when God is trying to reveal something to us. Christian, could you imagine being in a place where God says, I want to speak, where God says, I want to tell you what I think, where God says, I want to instruct you and I want to help you, and we're too busy with our own opinion or too busy with our own words or too busy living our own life that we don't hear from God? Oh, this upcoming year, I want to challenge you. Maybe we ought to come, when we come to God, we ought to come just simply saying, God, I want to listen to your voice. Listen, so often, and I I am for, I am for you praying, but I believe this, the best part of praying isn't just you speaking, it's then listening to God speak back. You say, "Uh uh-oh, are you going to tell me I'm going to hear some audible voice? No. But I'm simply saying this, we can spend all our time with God where we do all the talking. We never give him opportunity to speak. We ought to just meditate and we ought to just listen and we ought to just get into his word and read and allow him to speak to us. Christian, we need to make sure that when God wants to speak that we're ready to hear and we're not the ones doing all the talking. I want you to move on with me in scripture if you would please in verse number three. Solomon, this wise man, goes on to say this, for a dream cometh through the multitude of business and a fool's voice is known by multitude of words. You know, this time of year, it seems like people are making, making New Year's resolutions and making decisions and thinking about the mistakes of yesteryear and looking forward and saying, I'm not going to make those same mistakes again and evaluating things in our life. You know what Solomon's saying here? If you want success, work. Work. So many people sit around and they dream dreams and, 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 and they just talk about what could be. Solomon says, for a dream cometh through the multitude of business. 
And a fool's voice is known by the multitude of words. You know, dreams come through working. How many of you have ever seen this Publishers Clearinghouse commercial on TV? Anybody? $5,000 a week for life. Now, you can also give someone you love $5,000 a week for life. I said, well, that's easy. I give it to me and give it to my wife. That's great. We got $10,000 a week for life. You don't have to do a thing. It's just going to come to you. They knock on your door. I told my kids, if there's a knock on the door and I'm not home, you better answer it. <laughs> better answer that door. Especially if they got a big old check like that. You know, we think of that stuff and we think, boy, wouldn't it be wonderful to be a millionaire overnight? Dreams do come through those at work. Fools sit around and talk about things. You know what makes a great home? Work. Fool sits around and talks about what could be and what shouldn't be and what they don't like and what they want it to be like. You know what makes for a good marriage? Work. You know what makes for a good church? Work. I mean, if you ever went to a store and you felt like you were bothering the person that was supposed to be helping you because they were on the phone typing, texting. I walked up to a girl not long ago and I stood there and she was finishing her texting and I said, I'm sorry for bothering you, making you work. I just had a question. Work. Well, you know what's wrong with this? You know, listen to me. You know what I have found? We become more critical the less we work. Work at your marriage and you won't find so many things to complain about. This past week, this past week, I could have got Husband of the Year Award. Two different times I brought flowers home to my wife. You know why I want to work at my marriage? You know what I find when you're working at something? You're less critical about it. When you're putting work into something and you're putting your time into something. Makes a good home work. Do you know the one who complains most of the time is the one who's the least involved? The one who complains most of the time is the one who's least committed. I'll sit with a family and they'll say, well, if they would just change, things could get better. If they would be different, things would get better. Most of the time I say to that person, you know what? The problem is not the other person. The problem, you. So many times you go to work and we say, if the boss would do this, things would get better. If the boss would do that or the company would that would do better. No, the problem is you. So many times we can come to church when you say, no, if, if they did this, it'd be better. And did this, it'd be better. Did this or did that. Or somebody says, boy, if we got rid of that guitar, the music would be better. And I look out and the person doesn't sing whether we have a guitar or not. I see what the problem is, not the guitar, the problem is you.
This upcoming year, you know what I would challenge you to do as Solomon is looking at vows and saying as you make vows, for a dream cometh through the multitude of business or work. And a fool's voice is known by the multitude of words. He says the fools are the ones that just sit around and talk about what can be and can't be. The one that has great success or the ones whose dreams come true are the ones that put something into it. Listen to me, I look at my beautiful wife every day of my life and I say to, say to myself and I thank the Lord. I say, Lord, I'm so blessed. But I realize this, if that is going to work, if our marriage is going to make it, then this guy right here has to put work into it. Listen to me, as we evaluate our church this upcoming year, if our church is going to make it, then we've got to put work into it. Listen to me, we've got to put prayer into it. We've got to put prayer, and we've got to put finances, and we've got to put, we've got to put resources. I brought a child home from the hospital, five of them, matter of fact. And we brought him home. Greg, you know what? My wife wanted me to buy food for him. We had to buy diapers for I'm glad those are over. Oh, my. Not the food part, the diaper part. I mean, we had to buy beds, and we had to buy clothes, and you know what? It never ends. It's enjoyable, though. I mean, as you see your kids grow, you see, you know, they require things, though. If I want them to grow, and I want them to be healthy, and I want them to do something with their life, you know what it takes? Parents, it takes work. Investment. me this upcoming year I want you to evaluate your relationships I want you to evaluate your work I want you to evaluate where you live I want you to evaluate your marriage I want you to evaluate your friendships and if there's any area in your life that you're just sitting around and you're talking about I would say stop talking and get to work in those relationships and watch God bless get busy doing something for God Fool sits around making excuses. Well, if I had that job, then I'd be better off. Or if I was married to that person, I'd have a better life. Or if my kids were like that, then things would be better. No, the reason why they're not that way is you haven't worked. Fool sits around complaining. Fool, the Bible says, simply just sits around and talks. If you want something to change in your life, then stop sitting around, the Bible says, as a fool and get busy doing something for God. Get busy, work. Verse number four, the Bible says, when thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it. For he hath no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. Very simply this, when you promise God something, then do it. Don't promise God something you're not going to do. But that doesn't mean then live a life where you're not making promises. What that says is this. Be sure that when you vow something, you stick with it. This morning as I was just reviewing my notes and thinking through the notes, I thought of my vow I made to, really I made to the Lord with my wife. 
I made a vow to my wife 19 years ago or so that I was going to stay faithful and she was going to be my one and only. That was the vow I made to God. Listen, God's not saying don't make vows, don't make any promises because you can't keep them. What he's saying is this, make promises and when you make them, keep them. Make sure, make sure, make sure the vows that you make, that you realize you're making them to God and remember who God is and remember that God is the one that will give you strength. Listen, I don't know. There are times in my life where I think, I don't know if I can get through this next trial. I don't know if I can get through this next difficulty. And I realize this, that it's nothing I can do in my own strength, but it's by God's help and it's by God's strength. God, when I make a vow to you before you that I want to stay pure and I want to stay right, and I want to stay faithful to my wife. I realize this. I can't keep that vow without your help. And lastly, I want you to see this. Better is it that thou shouldest not vow than thou shouldest vow and not pay. Suffer not thy mouth to cause thy flesh to sin. Neither say there before the angel that it was an error. Wherefore, should God be angry at thy voice and destroy the work of thine hands? Look with me in verse 6. From the multitude of dreams and many words are also diverse vanities. But look what he says. But fear thou God. Number five, I want you to write this down. Don't live to satisfy yourself. Fear God. As we look at this new year, I pray as you look at 2018 that you say, you know what, maybe, maybe this hasn't been the case over the, my past life, but this is going to be my, my vow. This is what I'm going to do in this upcoming year. I am not going to live my life to satisfy myself. I'm going to live my life fearing God. Listen, so many of us, we live life, and we live in this day. It seems like this day, this generation, it's all about me. It's that Burger King mentality, have it your way. And we set out for life, and, and everything's good as long as it's the way I want it to be. I'm satisfied as long as every one of my needs are met. I live life, and I'm happy, Lord, as long as you're giving me what I want, and I'm, I'm satisfying myself. You know, listen to me, there's nothing in this world that's going to satisfy. There's nothing in this world that's going to fill that void that only God can fill. Here Solomon is saying this, we live at a time where vanity is vanity, all is vanity. You live life to fulfill. You live life for your own lust. You live life thinking that the next great thing or the next possession is going to make you happy only to find this, the more you want, the more you get, the more you get, the more you want. Nothing satisfies. Here's Solomon that says, I, I start with nothing, and now I have thousands of horses, and that's not enough. I start with one wife, and that's not enough. I start with one piece of gold, and that's not enough. I start with one thing, and it's not enough. I need more. And listen to me, that describes, if you are honest, that describes our life. We want more and more and more and more. I looked at all those boxes under the tree and I said to Michelle, where are we going to put all this stuff? We need to get a bigger house. We need to go rent one of those rental containers, whatever they are. 
I said to one of my kids, what we're going to do is every single gift you got, I want you to count, and I want you to go pick that many presents that we're going to go give away. And they looked at me like I had 10 heads. You want us to do what? Yeah, I want you to go downstairs and, and get, you know, 10, 15 toys we're going to give them away. Not mine. Let's see, if we're not careful, we live in a world, nothing satisfies. It's all about me. We actually think that our opinion matters on everything. I had a preacher friend that called me last two weeks ago, and he said, what do you, what do you think about this? There was some stuff going around. He said, what do you think about this? It was more of a something another preacher in the country was doing, and I said, I don't. He said, no, 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 what do you think? You know, this person said this, and then this person said this, and then this. What do you think about that? I said, I don't. And finally, he got what I was saying. I said, I don't, I don't think, I don't care. My opinion doesn't matter. I don't want to live life having to have an opinion on everything that happens in this world. It'd drive me insane. We live life sometimes, we want to have an opinion. We want to have an opinion on what this person's doing. We want to have an opinion on what that person did. We want to have an opinion. We have an opinion on the place we work, and we have an opinion on the place that we used to work. We have an opinion on our marriage. We have an opinion on somebody else's marriage. We have an opinion on our church, and we have an opinion on what the church we used to go to has to do as well. We have an opinion on everything. You know, Solomon's saying, don't live to satisfy yourself. You don't have to have an opinion on everything. Listen, you know we live life? Fear God. Be consumed with what God thinks about what I'm doing. I don't want to walk around looking at everybody else's marriage and saying what's right and what's wrong. I want to say, God, I need your help in my marriage. That's enough of my time. I don't want to look around whatever other preacher's doing, what mistakes they're making or not making. I, 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 I'm going to make enough of my own life. I want to fear God. I want to say, God, help me in my decisions I need to make. I don't look around and make decisions what everybody else is doing. Listen, that person sins, that person, boy, that person's wicked. Listen to me, I want to say, God, I want to fear you. I need your direction for my life. Listen to me, this upcoming year, let's not be so busy trying to satisfy ourselves. Let's not be so busy to give our opinions on everything that isn't even our business. But let's simply do as Solomon said, let's fear God. Keep short sin accounts. Realizing this, the Bible still says, be sure your sin will find you out. Be concerned about your relationship. Be concerned about what God has given you. Be concerned. Fear God. Wake up in the morning and realize that God, the creator of this universe, wants to spend time with you. Realize this, that God has a plan for your life. Be concerned about fulfilling what God has put you on this earth to fulfill. Fear God. Listen, every one of our lives would change if we did these four words that Solomon said, but fear thou God. Our lives would be different. Our lives would be changed. Maybe that secret sin that you're doing, you say, I've got it hidden. No one's ever going to find out. Solomon says, but fear thou God. Fear thou God.
He sees. He knows. Oh, this upcoming year, as we look back at 2017, I believe this. There's a lot of adjustments. There's a lot of changes that we need to make. The best thing we could do is fear God. Put him first in the center of our life.